Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 101st edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Going to break down Carolina's 88-79 to win over Syracuse last night in overtime to conclude the home portion of the 2022 season. We'll take a look at the box score. We got an audio cut of Hubert Davis for today's quote of the game. We'll get to the stat of the game and give our takeaways later in the show as well. But as I mentioned, Carolina 88-79 to win over the Orange, led behind Brady Mannix, 22 points on 9 of 18 shooting. Armando Baycott recorded his 23rd double-double of the season with 17 points and 18 rebounds, tying him with Bryce Johnson with the most uh, double doubles in the in a regular season uh, in the history of Carolina basketball, but I don't know if Carolina would have won this game without the way Caleb Love closed it. Fourteen points in the last two and a half minutes, and f- then five minutes of the overtime session. So the last seven and a half minutes, he scored fourteen of his twenty-one points, was four or five from the field. And the most important thing about last night's win was that it kept Carolina on track to make the NCAA tournament. Now, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, they're now solidly in the field as a 10 seed, and they secure that all-important double bye in next week's ACC tournament, which this team, which which is just playing seven, eight guys at the absolute max, needs to play as few games as possible if they want to make any sort of run to winning a conference tournament championship. But um, not the type of game I think we expected in terms of the way Carolina had to win. The game started out. 9-0 run from Syracuse. Um, Caroline then claws back into it. They were able to come back, take the lead at halftime. But in the second half, they could just never put the game away. Um, and, and I think that I, I thought that was my expectation at halftime was put the game away early in the second half. You got to give credit to Syracuse. Cole Swider was unconscious last night. He scored 36 points, was 14 of 21 from the field, and made seven of 11 three-pointers. They just wouldn't go away, but. Carolina, as they've done the last couple of weeks, they've found another way to win a game and, and a game that they had to have. Yeah, it was to, for for me. It was pretty much what I expected because this is what they've done, especially 
in the second games of these Saturday-Monday turnarounds. This has been a common theme for them. And this game was somewhat similar to both of the matchups that you saw against Louisville, where you felt like Carolina was that close to taking a lead and, and pulling away, but they could just never seem to do it. The good thing for Carolina in this game was I felt like, unlike the game against Louisville, I think, you know, to a certain extent, you know, uh, uh, the the second game against Louisville, I should say, um, and, and to a certain extent, the game against Virginia Tech, Carolina in those games never really got down in it in a scenario. I mean, against Virginia Tech, you weren't down in the second half. But against Louisville, you never got into that spot where you were saying, you know, we could lose this game. I felt like last night, there were a couple times where you thought in the second half, yeah, this this could go this could go against Carolina here. Yep. And it went down to I thought there was a good chance Carolina was going to lose the game with 15 seconds to go. Yeah. Up until they turned it over. So I, this was a team that stayed the course. To me, it was it was almost it was pretty much the reverse of the game that you played earlier in the year on the road at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Where in that game, it was a nail biter all the way down to the finish, but you had the chance to close it out. You turned it over and they sent it to overtime. In this game, Syracuse had the chance to either, you know, with a two, extend it to three, or if they would have hit a three, which they were shooting the ball well from beyond the arc, that would have probably ended the game. They end up turning the ball over. Caleb Love hits an improbable shot that everybody in their house was saying, what are you? Okay, all right, never mind. But... Of course, Gerard came right back. To, I knew when he took that shot, I was uh, like, yeah, we're going to overtime. The thing about Love's three was my fist pump when that shot went through was reminiscent of Tiger Woods' fist pump when he made the shot on 16 at the, at the I think, the 06 Masters. Uh, where that yeah, ball, I think, yeah, that sounds right. Where that ball sits 06 on, or 07. Where that ball sits on the cup, and then the golf gods willed it in. Because I, I've The best part about that shot, was an ESPN they 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 have done this a lot especially for some reason when Corey Alexander is on the game they almost missed the shot they yeah. they came back to show the inbounds after it was like a tight shot on Bayheim or Hubert something and they almost missed the shot that he takes because nobody thought he was going to throw that up in in that scenario and to be fair it almost backfired on him because if they would have came down and hit a three and won the game you would have been saying well you. Why'd you shoot at that? Or, yeah. but what what a what a tough shot for him, especially because really before that he hadn't he hadn't really done anything. I mean, I know you know there's, there we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he really turned it on from that shot on. He turned that 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 was what turned his night completely, and it was huge. Yeah. We, we've been critical of him. Not exactly, and I think that's something we got to point out. He's displayed a level of mental toughness we haven't given him enough credit for because he knows what's being said, what has been said, what was being said last night because he didn't – look, the box score wasn't pretty. Six of 19, 
4 of 12 from the field. Made all of his uh, foul shots, six rebounds, three assists, but no turnovers. He didn't have a great shooting night. And we've known the difference between Carolina when he's engaged as opposed to when he's disengaged. But he still stayed the course, and he still has shown up more often than not. And Carolina doesn't win last night's game without him. They're not going to go far in any tournament setting without him. And so kudos to him for staying up when he could have gotten down on himself or having such a bad night. I think the thing I took away from last night's win, and I think I've, I feel like this more, I think, the last couple years because we haven't been where we wanted to be as a program, you know, as what, what we're accustomed to. I felt like I willed them to that win just as much as they won the game because that's we, a way that's a way to stay humble because you know I don't know about for you guys I was on the edge of my seat I was I that, had that was the most nervous I've been during a game this year and, and 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 it's 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 sorely because their NCAA tournament hopes are in the balance had had yeah. Had that been a game where they were, you know, safely in the field, I'm not gonna say I wouldn't have been as less dramatic or whatnot, but there's just so much. Even riding. the opponent, if if let's say that would have been Notre Dame, you would have been in your mind saying to yourself, "Okay, well, if they lose, that probably doesn't completely take them out of the tournament." You lost last night. That was it. And also, I think I, I just hate, I hate Syracuse. And it's the weirdest thing. I, I don't. I don't hate Syracuse. No, I hate them. I hate Jim Beheim. I hate them because I, of I am not. I, I won't. Okay, I won't say I hate Jim Beheim. I have a strong. Oh no, I dislike hate for Jim Beheim. No, I. You see, he is a he is a horrendous human being. The other the other night after I don't even remember who they played. Oh no, it was after they played Duke. He went on for a minute. Just ripping on a, a female student reporter to the point where she actually had to say, "Okay, can we just move on?" He is a he is an old, crusty curmudgeon who needs to just move on and go pick his boogers from the couch. I I am, yeah, I I cannot stand him. Him, he brings in his two sons this year, which I don't think has really helped the program because good shooters can't defend a lick. So, nope. I think, yeah, it was the, the thing. I, I I'll tell you, the, the thing I learned is is definitely about Caleb Love and the fact that look, you can criticize him all you want, and we have so far. And I stick by my criticisms. I so still think I. there's a lot of things that he has to improve on. I still think he might be the most inconsistent player in Carolina basketball history. James Michael McAdoo says hello. Oh. Man, that's I don't know though. I mean, the the hit and miss of Caleb Love is just unbelievable. But when he needed to step up and make plays, as my friend Chris McLean likes to say, when it was nut cutting time, he I mean, he he made every single play that he needed to. And this is you look, this is just a, a complete 180 from two weeks ago when he was in a similar scenario against Pittsburgh and he fumbles the ball out of bounds. Yep. It's just, it's amazing the ups and downs that he has. And it drives me insane. That's why I'm ready for him to move, you know, move on to the NBA or whatever, because it drives me crazy. But 
These are the types of moments where you're like, if you could just find the consistency, yep. mm-hmm. it would be amazing. But with all that said, you cannot criticize him at all for last night, even, even the start to the game, because here's the thing. If he doesn't hit those shots, the one shot that eventually sends you to overtime and then the shots that he hit in overtime to get you out to that big lead early on, your your season's over. Yep. So he 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 saved your season. You can say whatever you want about him, but when you look back on this year, if you make the NCAA tournament, you can you can thank Caleb Love for saving your season. Let's take a look at the box score here for Carolina, and it's not the prettiest of ones for a team that won the game. Uh, Carolina just shot forty one percent from the field. They were twenty nine of seventy one. Meanwhile, Syracuse shot 49%. They were 31 of 63, but Carolina made up for it, making 14 of 36 three-pointers. That works out to 39%. They were led by R.J. Davis, 5 of 11 from behind the arc. Caleb Love was 4 of 12. Brady Manick was 3 of 6, and then Leaky Black contributed for 2 of 5 three-pointers. We talked about going into the game that Carolina needed to attack the zone. They settled for perimeter jump shots, but they made enough of them to justify taking those many three-pointers. Meanwhile, Syracuse was 10 of 25 from behind the three-point line, so that was 40% from them. Carolina was good from the foul line, 16 of 20. Um, led by Armando Baycott going 7 of 9, then Caleb Love was 5 of 5. Syracuse was just 7 of 8 from the foul line, so a big disparity there. Just eight turnovers last night for Carolina. They did a good job handling the zone. Um, and Syracuse turned the ball over 11 times. Um, rebounding, as you could expect, Carolina beat them up on the glass 44-30 to to the tune of 28 defensive rebounds and 16 offensive rebounds led by Armando Baycott, who had nine offensive rebounds a- alone. They turned those 16 offensive rebounds into 18 second-chance points. Meanwhile, just six second-chance points for Syracuse. Carolina's bench, this, this number's bu- a little ballooned because Caleb Love came off the bench because of it being senior night, Ryan McAdoo started in his spot, but Carolina's bench outscored Syracuse's 24-8. to Points in the paint go in, in the favor of Syracuse, 28-24, but Carolina 9-0 in the fast break opportunities. They outblocked Syracuse 3-2. Uh, Syracuse did outsteal Carolina 4-3, but another big kicker, 21 assists on 29 made baskets for Carolina. Uh, Syracuse had just nine assists on their 31 made baskets. Moving the ball leads to success, and they did a tremendous job of it last night against the zone. Uh, The game was tied nine different times. There were 11 different lead changes. Overall, of the 45 minutes played, Carolina led for just 14 minutes and 57 seconds. So, I definitely lost a couple of years off my life watching that game last night. There's, There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I... At, at some point, I want to relish where we're not. This is back-to-back years. We've had to stress about the NCAA tournament. I mean, look, I can take some nail-biters, but if we're going to take some nail-biters, can we be like, you know, 20, 24, and 6 when we're doing that? Yeah. That, I mean, that'd, that'd be that would be better. nice, you know. Let's move on now to our quote of the game. And Huber Davis had a lot to say following the win over uh, Syracuse, but... I had a Mondo... Oh. What? Oh wait, are you what 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 quote are you going with here? We usually go with Hubert Davis. Ah, 
There was a Mondo quote last night about Caleb Love that I thought was just tremendous. We're going to go with Hubert Davis because is, this is my podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, here's okay. What, here's what Hubert Davis had to say about the team's toughness and togetherness after the win over Syracuse. There's a collective togetherness that um, this group is forming um, more and more each day, and it's, it's just um, – it's a lot of fun to see. It's it's um, it's a joy to experience, and it's unbelievable to be around. But you see, since I am the gracious podcast host that I am, here's what Armando Baycott had to say about his teammate Caleb Love and the plays he made down the stretch in the win over Syracuse. I really don't have an answer. I mean, that last shot he took to put us up two, I mean, that was ridiculous. And, I mean, he made it, though, so it was great, and I was happy for him. And I guess it just shows his toughness just to even be able to take that shot while struggling. And, I mean, that was kind of gangster. I can't lie. I mean, you hear the crowd. We all doing the same thing, too. Like, whoa. But, I mean, all season he's hit those shots. And, I mean, I guess you got to live and die with it. And today we lived. So there you go, guys. You get the best of both worlds. You get to hear from the head coach. And you can hear from the best player on the team in, in, in this edition of the quote of the game. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. And usually we go with a generic three-point shooting percentage, turnovers, assists, whatever, whatever. We go back to Caleb Love. Um, he scored 14 points in the last seven and a half minutes of the game. And as we talked about in the in the opening, Carolina doesn't win the game without him. It's just that plain and simple. They've they've won some games without him being a factor at this point in the year. Look, it's officially March. It's it's that time of year. Um, guard play dictates who wins games and 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 who loses games. So we we go with Caleb Love's closing stretch for Carolina for this. By, edition. by the way, the stats are just unbelievable. The difference. I mean, he was two of fourteen before he goes on that run in the final 7.30 of the game, mm. that was, I mean, you you were staring down another one of those performances where we came on here and said... You got blasted? Well, we, we would have came on here and said, well, why did Carolina lose? Well, R.J. Davis played well, but your point guard didn't play well. And just the innate ability to turn it on. And that's, see, he showed last night why if he's going to have an NBA future... It's it's going to be because of he has that ability. It's more of we're asking, hey, can you turn that light switch on a few more times and for a little bit longer? It's okay to keep that on for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I can draw back on similar situations. In my 35-point barrage, oh my God. I started that game 1 of 11. That now that that I can believe. I don't now the next stretch I believe was also one for eleven. <laughs> Tore my ACL. Ugh. Hit ten of my next twelve. I'm gonna be honest with you. The fact that you had to tear a ligament to become better probably not great on you as a basketball player. That you needed to tear some sort of muscle to actually get shots to go home. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then we come back. More thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's win over the Orange. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. 
Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hey guys, Anthony here. Make sure you head over to the Heel Tough blog website. Check out all of the coverage that Josh is going to have for you regarding the Syracuse game. We got the Duke game coming up this Saturday, Coach K's final game, but Josh will be giving you the Tar Heel angle on how they come out with the win over on the website. And then make sure you check out the football side of things. The Tar Heels lose Stacey Searles, but do bring in a new offensive line coach. Go check out who that is. And we've got a couple of articles up there for position battles to watch during spring camp as well as players to watch during spring camp. Head over HeelToughBlog.com. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog side of things. Let's get back to some more thoughts and takeaways. And when we were going through the box score, we mentioned the the three-point shooting for Carolina. And look, they made 14 of them, but they also took 36 of them to make 14 of them. And um, we talked so much about going into the game, hey, work your offense, run your offense, don't rely on the three-point shot. That didn't happen. They took 16 in the first half, 17 in the second half, and then three in overtime. And now they needed them uh, after a slow start and then just to kind of keep pace with the shooting you got from Syracuse. But I I really thought... This is tough for you because you... That was one of your keys to the game. I I didn't... Put the ball inside. They didn't listen to you. I didn't think they attacked Syracuse the way that they should have attacked Syracuse. I mean, my thing is, is look, it's hard to argue... Because how many of those shots were really bad shots? They they took a couple of them there, including the one that went down to tie the game was not the greatest shot choice. But for the most part, I mean, the shots were there. There were they were open looks because you know the zone gave them to you. But also, Carolina moved the ball. They did so well that the the shots were open. So I get it. 
I, I wanted him to go inside. They didn't start the game out with a guy at the foul line to work their offense out of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was just something that I did. I didn't maybe they thought was going to be predictable. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I didn't anticipate in that game you still running your four round one offense. Like if if you watched film from the game before, Duke put a guy at the foul line and they decimated that zone in the first five minutes of the game. The game was over. Right. Look at what Carolina's done since Syracuse joined the ACC. The first time they played the zone, they didn't go so well. They scored under 50 points. Up until last year, or up until the ACC tournament three years ago, they'd beat Syracuse every time since. Roy Williams knew how to coach against the zone as well as anybody in the conference, as well as anybody in college basketball. So that was what I was – I wouldn't have minded had that been the where the offense started and you were kicking out to the open three-point shots – I thought they settled for them more often than not early. I don't know if maybe because I thought Manic was going to be that guy that got there. Is Manic just not a dude that has a mid-range jumper? Like I know it's strange that he's he's, he's got a back to the basket game. He's also a good high we low passer that. though. So you oh uh, yeah, we we saw that multiple times from him last night too. See, I think that was the other thing. You saw him get to the foul line a couple of times, but. It was really more him making nice passes when he got there to set up Armando or to set up some of the guys on the outside. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't think the the offensive sets were that big of an issue. There was a point I thought in about the middle of the first half, and I thought even early on in the second half where. The three-point shot was not dropping. I was like, look, you've got to start taking something else besides the three-point shot and relying on if it's not going, we're getting offensive rebounds and going back up. But, I, I mean, when it, we knew I, – I said it to you early in the game. This is going to be one of those nights where they are going to shoot a lot of threes. It's a risky strategy, but you got to knock them down. And to their credit – they knocked them down, especially when they needed to. So Yeah, I, I kind of had the quote come into my head that if you're going to be tough enough to take the shot, you got to make the shot. There were a couple shots that Carolina was tough enough to make last night when they needed to make them, and that was that's that that's a big deal for this team because they're running on tired legs. So a lot of this that's why their shooting numbers have plummeted for mm-hmm. the last couple of games. But I really thought they were tough enough to make some big time shots. The in. thing that stinks. The toughest shot of the night that they that that they were tough enough to make didn't even count. Yep, that shot, that fall away shot from Leaky was unreal. Didn't even count for him. I ah, uh, I hate that for him. Uh, the second thing I really I took away from the game was Carolina's limiting turnovers. That zone can kind of lure you into just getting sleepy and lazy with the ball, and you forget about how long Syracuse can be at times. They're not as long as they usually have been for injuries and stuff like that, but. Just eight turnovers last night for Carolina. I thought that was really important. Um, it's kind of changed the way you've played with Syracuse since they've joined the league because when they first joined, they were a grinded out. They wanted to play in the 50s and the 60s, where now they're kind of more where Carolina wants to play. They want to score 70, 80 points a night. Um, but Carolina was smart with the ball, but they also forced 11 turnovers. That number isn't gaudy. But that's a healthy number that's for That's better than most of the year for them. Yeah, that's a healthy number for Carolina this year. And um, I think if they can kind of replicate that success where it's 10 or 10 turnovers or less committed and you're forcing at least 10 turnovers, 
I do think it'll give it'll make it easier on them defensively and offensively to try to make some noise as they try to work their way through the upcoming ACC, upcoming Duke game and then the ACC tournament the next week in Brooklyn. One of the main reasons why this was so big is because the last stretch of games, even the games they've won, they've turned the ball over a ton. Remember the game that they blew out Florida State in, they turned the ball over 16 times. Mm-hmm. So it's been an issue for Carolina at times, and I feel like it was a focus last night to take care of the ball. They moved the ball well. They assisted on 21 of their made baskets. We've t- we've said that throughout the year. When this team is at their best, it's when they move the basketball well and don't turn the ball over. And, yeah, I thought they did a great job of that. I thought even the bigs when they got inside, one of the things that can happen a lot when you face the zone is you get the ball inside, the double comes over, and we've seen that especially a lot recently from Armando where he gets a little out of control and loses the ball. Yep, You didn't see that last night. So that was the one element of the game that consistently throughout was in good shape and that Carolina needed to be in good shape the entire night. I I thought they did a great job with that. And, I mean, look, eight turnovers total in this game. We're used to lately here six or seven from Caleb Love by himself. (laughs) So for for them to protect the ball like that, in all all seriousness – was just that that is a great job by the players on the court and you got to give credit to Hubert Davis and his staff too cuz it seems like that was probably a focus here uh going into this game. Another focus going into the game was to beat them up on the backboard and they did just that 44 to 30 in favor of Carolina including 16 to 5 on the offensive glass. Nine of those offensive rebounds alone went to Armando Baycott, Puff Johnson had a couple, um, and Carolina just beat them up on the glass. And I think this team is still one of the better rebounding teams in the country. They're not as good as they were under Roy Williams, but it's like they have the situational awareness of when they know they got to go get to the offensive glass. It's not every night, and there's some games where they don't need to send guys to the glass because they need to get back and try to play some defense. But the zone is leaves you to be suspected to give up offensive rebounds. Carolina knew that. They attacked that. They exploited that. And that was a really big part of them just kind of getting their offense because it wasn't pretty. They scored 88 points, but they were just 29 of 71. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't an easy night to get their offense. To, to get, to get their offense. So they went to the offensive glass, and they got their second chance points. And that's a big reason why, really, Syracuse didn't win the game. Two games in a row now that Carolina has had 13 or more offensive rebounds. These last two games, you're seeing elements of a vintage Roy Williams team. I don't know if it's going to stick around because, first of all, Syracuse, as as I mentioned when we previewed this game, was 328th in the country in terms of opponents rebounding. So, so that, they're a team that, because of the zone, they, they, they really struggle to rebound. But... It seems like that's becoming more of a focus. We may not have the size and physicality that we had last year, but you've got some guys that have the want to, including Puff Johnson. Oh, God. So, I mean, you're starting to see the team as a whole rebound better. And by the way, there when when he went through those shooting struggles, there was a time where Mondo wasn't as dominant on the glass. 
he's back now. I mean, he is just going to work on the glass. I mean, last night, I, I honestly, I didn't even realize it until I looked at the box score. It's 18 rebounds, but you're so used to it at this point, you honestly look at it and say, man, that felt pretty quiet for 18 rebounds. But that's the point that he's at where he just cleans up everything off the glass. And, and I mean, the fact that they're doing all of this without a guy that we thought was going to be a major key and was showing that he was probably your second-best rebounder early in the season in Dawson Garcia is outstanding. And there is a lot of credit that needs to go to Brad Frederick and Sean May for working with the big guys to step their game up, and there needs to be a lot of credit to the coaching staff as a whole for helping everybody rally around that. Another thing we got to talk about, and it's just night and day for where Carolina was a few weeks ago. This team's learned how to win, and win games in a variety of different ways, and that's that's something I've always been big on. When when you have a team that can win games when they don't play well, when they turn the ball over, whatever it is, that's when you know you've got something. I'm not saying Carolina's got a special team with them this year, but this team has learned how to win. And you look at their wins here recently against Syracuse last night. Not so much NC State because the game was out to a 20-3 to run, but you go back to last week, the game against Louisville at home, 48 hours after your biggest win on the road at Virginia Tech, which at the time was a much was a which was a big time win. If you would have told me a month ago Carolina was winning games in this fat form or fashion, I would have told you you're lying. And I, I think, I mean, you got to credit the players. I think. This team has turned into what Hubert Davis wanted it to turn into when the season started. I don't think we thought it was going to take until the end of February to get there and a handful of ugly, bad losses. But I do think, as we said on March 1st, this team has found the level of toughness it needs to have, the competitive character it needs to have, to be the best version of what this team can be. Now, that might not be a Sweet 16 team. That might not be a team that does anything historically great, but I do think they have re- they're 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 turning the corner and becoming the best version of what this team, which is playing just seven to eight guys, can be on a nightly basis. So in his in his quote of the game that we played earlier, he talked about togetherness, and he's mentioned that a couple of times here over the last couple of weeks. I think this team has started to realize they need to come together because they are as short depth-wise, as probably any Carolina team that we've seen maybe ever. At least, I mean, from our standpoint, for sure. But I don't know the last time that Carolina's had a team this thin. And look, you got to give credit. I, I think Puff Johnson's probably becoming that sixth guy. But there was a stretch over the last couple of weeks where we said, look, this is a five. This is a five-man team. There are other guys that will come in, but it's in extremely limited roles. And at this point, we're pretty much comfortable with that because we feel like the drop-off is significant enough where you got to keep those other guys on the floor. But this team has really rallied around each other. You know, to, to your point about 
you wouldn't have believed that this team could win close games? I don't really know because I think early on in the season, you played one close game that you lost, which was Notre Dame. All the other games you got blown out in. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, this team, though, is they. I, I don't know how I would have felt, but now I feel like this team is proving they can win these grinders. And and this is the thing. There are some teams in this conference that haven't had to deal with a lot of those so far this year. Yeah. So when they get into one of those in the ACC tournament, it might not work out that well for them. Carolina has been in this position now multiple times, at least once a week now for the last month, month and a half. Right. They've had a game like this. So they are used to playing this type of game. When this moment pops up again, this is not going to be an adverse situation for them. So I think that bodes very well for them in the ACC tournament, in the NCAA tournament, and who knows, it could pop up on Saturday night. Duke's been in a couple of close games so far this year, but if Carolina is the team they're in a close game with, that's going to be the toughest opponent that they've been in a close game with so far this season. So that's that's big, and that shows the leadership on this team. I know, you know, I don't he, still lacking that vocal leader. That's still going to be something that we're going to have to find in this team in the offseason if they're going to take the next step. But when you talk about guys that are just leading by example of what they're doing, I think these guys are starting to look at Brady Manick and Leaky Black and realizing, man, these dudes are laying it all on the line every single night. We have to go out and do the same because if we do that, we're going to win more times than not, especially in this ACC. And I, I think it's 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 working out well for them. But those two guys, especially on senior night, they deserve they deserve a shout out. I don't think they'll be the most memorable guys, but I think both of them have a legitimate spot in Tar Heel history, and 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 they're a big impact on why this team is starting to make the strides that they are late in the season. Another guy who's had a big impact on this team and now has a spot in Carolina history is Armando Baycott. He's got 17 with a 17.18 rebound performance last night. That made it his 23rd double-double this season, tying him for Bryce Johnson for the most all-time in a single season in the history of Carolina basketball. and Which is unbelievable with some of the bigs that have come through this universe. Well, I mean, it's first off, it's really hard to get double-doubles, and it's really hard to do it as frequently as now Bryce Johnson did it and now Armando Baycott. And, um, you know, you, you look at what it, it's meant for Carolina. Um, he's their legitimate rebounding force and threat. We knew that kind of entering the year outside of Dawson Garcia because we know Brady Manick is a perimeter player. Yeah, but he's still let, – let's not – Let's not act like Armando was this monster rebounder before this season. That was a guy that we said, look, he's got to step it up. I don't think anybody saw this type of increase. I mean, he is, I don't know, how many rebounds is he averaging right now? It's over 14 per game in conference play. That's got to be, that's probably nearly double. Because last year, I think he averaged around... Eight and a half to nine rebounds per game. Remember last year, Garrison Brooks led the team in rebounding. Yep. So that's, I mean, that is huge for him to go from a guy that we were saying in the preseason he's got to be your biggest rebounder 
but he's got to step up to now being is he the best rebounder in college basketball? No, okay, no, maybe besides Oscar Sheebway. I was about to say if no, 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 but that's what I'm, is he is he number two? I mean, he's he, he's got to be in the conversation, he's right? He's definitely up there, and that's huge. I I kind of liken his rebounding dominance to what we kind of saw from Garrison Brooks two years ago offensively. Because you didn't, we didn't think it was in Garrison Brooks to go out and score twenty five points in a game when he had a stretch where he did that every night. He had what thirty five in the game against Georgia Tech, where he almost led them all the way back. Right, and <laughs> there have been games this year where Armando Baycott had half of your rebounds. He he had two thirds individually of the team's opponents' rebounds by himself for the entire game. Like, and it's it's just been it's been remarkable. This kid came back. Because he wanted to leave a legacy here. And look, we all know that the best legacy is putting a banner up in the Smith Center. This team's most likely not going to do that. But he's etched his name into that lore of Carolina big men that you could say from year to year got better. And if this happens to be his final year, it's been one heck of a junior season for him. And um, He'll be a big part of whatever success this program has under Hubert Davis because he's he was the first big time player for Hubert Davis when he became the head coach. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, I don't even with how dominant he's been this year, I don't think that this is the final season of him at Carolina too. So there could be another year of production like this coming. But yeah, this is God. This is just a monumental step forward, and it is it is. So beneficial for this team to have a guy like that inside. The difference with him is this year, and we've seen it from the get-go, there's more confidence. Yep. Last year, I think, you know, and it, it was a question that we had even in the preseason. Is he going to be looking behind himself at the two true freshmen off the bench? And I think he did that at times last year. Of course, his first year, coming in as a freshman, his frame was different. He was still learning how to play the college game. But I think now you're seeing a more confident player. You're seeing a guy that's a little more under control. I think, again, the the, the things, there's still room for improvement. That's why he's not going to go probably to the NBA this offseason. He's still a guy that has to get a little bit better at finishing inside. He still has to, you know, be able to limit the turnovers, which he does have at some times. One of the things you like to say a lot is that he shoots from his hip. That's one of your biggest issues with him at times. But the growth that he has that that he showed this offseason and the maturity that he showed is just huge for this team. And there's no denying that if he wasn't on this team, I don't even know where this team would be at right now. Like remember, there was a time early on in the offseason last year where yeah, I guess you would still consider it early. But right after Huber Davis took over as the head coach, where some people were wondering, could he be leaving too? Could you lose all four big men at one time? Him coming back was just, just huge for this team. And now, I mean, look, he's, you're right. The ultimate goal and the way to get etched in Carolina history where nobody will forget your name is by winning a national championship. I, that's going to be a tall task for him, but at this point, I mean, he's he's got to be an All-American, right? His number's going to go up there. There is no way 
he is not an All-American with how well he's been playing down the stretch of the season. Yeah, you would imagine. Um, you know, I know there's been the conversation about him being the ACC Player of the Year. I don't have a vote. I should have a vote. Um, but I would still lead Alondis yeah, small, Williams. A small podcast should have a vote for sure. Um, yep. You know, I would still go Alondis Williams because he's on pace to be the first player in the history of the conference to lead it in scoring and assists. Which is unreal. I can't believe that's never happened in ACC history. And he still averages like six rebounds. He's He is a heck of a player, man. Uh, but, I mean, he's definitely going to have some, some place up there. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I still think he comes back for a senior year unless this team goes on a magical run and he accomplished some of those goals he wants to he wanted to accomplish before he left Chapel Hill. He doesn't the other thing he doesn't have enough of a mid-range game yet. That was something that he was working on. We haven't really seen that just yet. So I think that's probably the reason although he has shown himself to be a good rim protector too. So you can see, but I'm, yeah, I think he's coming back. And, and But, I mean, just watching his in-season growth and development has been a lot of fun. And, and without him, Carolina wouldn't be where they are today, which is trending in the right direction as they head as they, they head into the season finale on Saturday at Duke. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for your latest football and basketball coverage. As for the podcast, you know where to find us on every major podcasting platform. Simply just search the Four Corners Podcast. We'll pop up, rate, review, and subscribe. The way you don't miss any additions throughout the remainder of the 2021-22 basketball season. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.